Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, your host from the East Coast. Chris, good day to you, sir. How you doing there, buddy? Oh, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. Uh, let me just say right off the top, uh, my mom had a little accident over the weekend, and she's in the hospital, so uh, I know she's listening, and I want to just send out our well wishes to her. We're all praying for you, Mom. We know you're going to get better soon, so uh, we love you, and thanks for listening to the show. Now, let's. Uh, we got a great show for everybody lined up today. We've got Alan C. and Brian Yates of the NHL on the Ice podcast. Alan C. is also the radio host at 1560 The Fan out in Orlando, Florida. Um, we're going to be talking with them a little bit later in the show, but I wanted to get a little business out of the way first. Chris, I know you got, you've been putting articles up like crazy in the last couple of weeks, so let me give you a chance here to, if if you're new to the show and, and haven't been following along, Chris writes uh, about the NHL for Last Word on Sports and also covers the Islanders in expansion for thehockeywriters.com. We might have some news about that a little bit later in the show as well. Um, but Chris, what do you got up on on uh, online there lately? Uh, in terms of the hockey writers for the Islanders, I have up uh, uh, the Island a new article from over the weekend. The Islanders uh, seeking that final puzzle piece uh, after their uh, activity uh, over the first two days of free agency. And I have two brand new articles on last word on sports of. Are the basically are the Nashville the Nashville Predators might be the best team in the West going into next season and a new one popped up today as well on the free agent class of next summer which everyone who is out in Las Vegas and Nevada who is going to really be a big fan of the uh, new team really needs to read because Vegas is going to be a big player uh, in terms of free agency in the NHL next summer as well. Yep, yep. No question about it. So you got your article up on Nashville. Uh, I guess I guess we could start there. You seem to like where they're headed. What? Uh, why don't you sum up your article for us and what you like about where they're headed? Well, I mean, look, I'm a huge Shea Weber fan. Uh, I felt like uh, they gave up a lot of grit, uh, uh, a lot of uh, defensive play, obviously. Not that Shea Weber can't contribute offensively. He can. But Subban, obviously, is a little bit younger has that dynamic, uh, more skill, more skating, which I think Nashville needed. If they could have landed one of these really good top six forwards that was in free agency, and they did, uh, by all accounts, make a big push for Andrew Ladd, but came up a little short in that regard. But, you know, between the experience they got in the playoffs last year, adding, uh, you know, becoming within one game of the Western Conference Finals, and then you look around them. I mean, if you think about it, other than the Sharks, uh, everyone in the all the big Western teams took a step back. Uh, the Blackhawks had to trade Shaw and uh, Tarolainen to uh, for salary cap reasons. The Blues traded Brian Elliott, and uh, they lost Troy Brower and David Backus in free agency. They did sign David Perron. Uh, the Dallas Stars lost two of their top four defensemen, and Alex Golgowski and Jason Demers. Uh, the Ducks lost uh, Perron and Jamie McGinn, uh, as well as Frederick Anderson. Uh, the Kings lost Milan Lucic. And the Sharks are the only team that added. They added uh, Shemenko, uh to fortify their back and on defense, and they signed Mike, Michael Boddicker uh, to give them another uh, solid scoring option. So Nashville didn't take a step back where almost every other team did and then the addition of Supon. So if and the fact that they went hard after Andrew Ladd tells me that they're going to be at least doing everything they can to be involved in the trade market this summer to get another scoring option, scoring forward for them. And uh, I, I, like I said, I easily can see putting them as uh, as a you know one of the top teams to beat in the West going into next year. You know, you know, I agree with you. What do you? Uh, I think 
I think the Golgoski deal for Phoenix was actually pretty important and maybe not so much for what it does for Phoenix going forward, Arizona. Um, but with all the Demers there in Dallas, I think, I don't think they've replaced that. Um, I think that's, they're, they're pretty thin on, on D anyway in D. <laughs> I'd like to get Matt Pryor on to talk about what he thinks they're going to be doing going forward. What else, what else struck you, uh, I, I, I kind of love what Stevie Y did there in Tampa, but let's wait a little bit until Alan's on the show because I know he's right down there in the thick of things. Um, I'd say they're one of the big winners. Uh, not only ba- basically working with most of their own players, I think we see a clear direction of where they're going to go in goal. Um, he held his ground and got what he needed to get done with the Stamkos contract. And then turn around and get Hedman locked up long-term. I really, I really like what Tampa did. What, uh, what other team do you think actually, actually, who, who would you give an A grade to out there? Well, the, I would, the, the, the overall statement I would make about free agency is I, I don't think no one in terms of what they got in terms of annual value, would anyone say, wow, that's ridiculous. It's more of the years. And what about Lucic? Uh, so, wouldn't, wouldn't you say eight, uh, six for Lucic on a seven-year term is a little bit much? Well, I mean, if you're going to say that about Lucic, wouldn't you say that about Kyle Also, Isn't Lucic one year younger? And also, the the package that Lucic brings, so few people in the NHL have in, in terms of size, physicality, energy. Uh, you know, he's not he, – he's a scorer, but he's not like an elite scorer, but he's a guy that's going to give you 20, 22 goals. Experience, you know, experience uh, in big games. Uh, obviously, he's won a cup in Boston. So, And I believe he's 27 going on 28. So, uh, you know, that was one where, you know, of all the different, you know, recent seven-year deals in the last – this year in the last couple of years, it didn't really bother me. And, and – um I think Edmonton needs a guy like that in the locker room. But oh, and sure. that's the thing. You know, that's the thing. Uh, in a perfect world, some of the guys who got six- and seven-year deals, four- or five-year deals, some of the guys who got five-year deals, you've got three-year deals. Uh, but, you know, you hit free agency, and you're going to get um, – you're going to get overpaid. In terms of this year, you got overpaid in terms of term, not annual contract. Um, so I, I did. I did like that. Um, in terms of if there was one team that jumped out at me, um, there really wasn't. I mean, some teams lost some players. Like I mentioned, the Blues kind of took a hit. Um, you know, I did like uh, uh, the Islanders landing Andrew Ladd. Uh, you know, Louis Erickson going to Vancouver. Obviously, uh, his his time with the Sedins and knowing the Sedins. Uh, you know that I mean that came out I think uh, the night before July 1st, but that was a little surprise for me. You know because they're kind of in a rebuilding mode, but again, yeah. Well, let's let's look at that for a second. Um, Louis Erickson, I think, was a huge reason why uh, Boston jumped to the top five in in power play scoring and offense there, and. For just a little bit more money, unless, you know, I don't know whether Erickson wanted to leave Boston, but they bring in David Backus, who isn't nearly the the offensive skill set that Erickson had to the table. And I think that's, you know, with the, the physical grind at out teams, that's historically what you need to keep and add as you go forward is – is skill, especially with a, little, a lot of the NHL heading towards a speed game right now. Um, and Louis Erickson did bring that to the table as well. So then for a little bit more money, they bring in David Backus, who obviously captain of the Blues and, and phenomenal player, but bringing kind of the same skill set in the forward core that is already, you know, the cupboard's full and that kind of a skill set. What do you th- What do you think of that? those two deals in connection with each other? Well, I think Bacchus was a reaction. Uh, I, I would have kind of left things open in, if I was Boston. I mean, giving Bacchus, who's 32, I know Larrickson's a 31, but he seems like a lot younger. 
31 than Bacchus is at 32, and Bacchus plays a more physical style of play, uh, which is sure. good, which is not a bad thing, but there's more, I think, miles on that body than there is for Louis Erickson. Um, you know, David Bacchus, I have no doubt, will be a really good player for them uh, the next couple of years. The question is going to be years three, four, and five, especially on that contract when he's 35, 36, 37. So, you know, he'll help them on the power play. So from that standpoint, losing Erickson for the power play, the back is a good power play player. Like you said, he's physical. He's a captain. He was a captain of the Blues, so good for leadership and experience. So, you know, there's definitely things all, he brings to all the All skills that uh, – those are all character traits that are already in abundance on Boston's roster, though. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I did not – I mean, originally watching the coverage on July 1st, they reported that Bacchus was getting a two-year deal, and I said, wow, that's a steal. That's a great, or that's a great deal, I should say. And then it was announced it's a five-year deal. I, I didn't understand that, especially with the, the their thinness on the blue line. And, you know, they even though they have a couple of guys, like Charles only got a year or two, a uh, couple of years left on his his deal, but their cap is still a little bit tight, and they still have to sign Brian Marchman, which we'll get into more in the last part of the show, who's a free agent after next season, uh, and he's coming off a career year. So when you put all those things together, I, I was not a – I like – I'm a fan of David Backus, but I wasn't a fan of, A, that contract, and, B, Boston getting that contract. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you. Why don't we – we got a couple minutes before we bring in our guests. Um Seeing that you do cover the Islanders for the hockey writers, why don't you why don't you break down a little bit of uh, I I just kind of questioned a little bit why the money didn't go to the homegrown guys and then bring in Lad on the contract. Um, what do you think? Where do you think that where they're going? Well, I think Lad is a uh, here's the thing. I think Lad, even though he's two years old and then Oposo, I think he's more of a finisher. He's, uh, you know, uh, he'll play wing with Tavares. He's strong on the power play, and that's been a big bugaboo, as you know, I've mentioned to you in the past, how For despite sure. their talent, they've had a maddening inconsistent power play. He'll go to the net. He'll go to the dirty areas, which Tremera will do as well. Uh, he's an extremely, from uh, reading about him the last couple of weeks, uh, a great locker room character leader guy, which they need for this young team. I mean, look, I am a fan of Kyle Oposo, so I am not trying to tear him down or anything like that. But, again, in watching his career, if someone said to me, do you think he's a difference maker? And the answer is no. Anyone who – any ex-Florida Panther fans uh, this past year when the Islanders played them in the playoffs, like, if they felt Kyle Oposo was someone they had to really worry about. And the answer was no. And it was even a bigger no against Tampa Bay. Now – if you put him with a really good center, which Buffalo has an abundance up there, again, can he be a guy who can get you, you know, 55, 60 points? Absolutely. He's a productive player. He's a top six forward. Is he is he a first-line forward? No, he's not. Uh, Kyle Oposo has only scored, has only hit the 25-goal mark once in his career and has only broken the 20-goal mark three times in his career. So uh, he's a really good player, uh, so, but I think they were looking – uh, they knew the range he was going to get, not, and they decided that they were going to go elsewhere. In terms of Franz Nielsen, the Islanders offered him roughly the same contract the Red Wings did, just over seven years versus over six. And Franz said, you know, he was even on and uh, the TSN coverage, and he said they offered me a really fair offer, and he just kind of felt maybe it was time for a change. And you know what? I think that might wind up benefiting both parties because I think the Islanders need kind of a new voices and new people in that locker room and, and getting both Chimera and Ladd uh, will will be a, a big step forward for them in that regard. Picking up PA Parento on a one-year deal for one $1.25 million, who, you know, can put up some numbers and give, give the team some depth, which is a good thing as well, and not rush the kids in, in Bridgeport, their AHL affiliate. But like I said, Clark Snow still has to – uh, the general manager of the has to pull up one more trade, if you will. And uh, he's, it sounds like he's talking to everyone and everyone. So uh, we'll see uh, if he'll be able to do that to land that really good, uh, you know, top six forward. If it's someone in Tampa, someone in Colorado, someone in Edmonton, and so on and so forth. 
All right. Well, let me uh, let me put a little quick plug out for HockeyTalkRadio.us, and and then we'll bring in our guest right after the break. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. The internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all hockey talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, we're back, and we got Alan on the line. Is that correct? No, this is Brian. Okay, Brian. Dad, we got Brian Yates from the NHL on the Ice podcast. How are you tonight, sir? Thank you for coming on. I'm good. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm happy to be here. All right. I know you've had Chris over on your show a couple of times. I'll throw the ball over to Chris if you're ready, Chris, and let you get started with Brian. I think I just hey, see Brian. Alan popping up now. I'll bring Alan up as well. Brian, how you doing? I, so we want to tap into your your expert course lead, but we we all know that you you love the red. So give us the Red Wing perspective in terms of how happy have the wings gotten better with Franz Nielsen as well as Tom, uh, Thomas Vanek, and where do you, do you think they're going to wind up making pulling a trade uh, this month uh, for defense? Well, it's really interesting, and Talk Radio has been hitting this um, ever since Friday about the way the Red Wings went about free agency and, and how they spent their money. Uh, there was really no good free agent defensive defenseman out there. Alex Goligowski never made it to free agency. Keith Yandel never made it to free agency. They both signed with the teams that they were traded to. So it, it put Ken Holland in a bind to uh, shore up, go after the forward position and offense position of, of the Red Wings. And that's where he spent the money that he was unable to look have all that contract at. Um, I, and I believe, I deeply believe that he is going to try and pull off the deal, um, trading some prospects for a uh, veteran de- defenseman um, like a uh, Cam Fowler. I, I think the Shaq Kurt um, is a little too much, the price that the Blues are asking for him. Um, but I think he's going to try and explore a trade to trade some of the younger guys to go after uh, a reliable offensive defenseman uh, to help this team out. But the forwards, it, it's interesting about how he went about it. He went out and got Franz Nielsen uh, to help shore up this, this center position that Datsuk left. Um, he went out and, and signed a veteran, Thomas Bannock, at a, uh, a low-risk price at one year, $2.6 million. Um, It come to find out today that the Red Wings will lose one of their younger guys for six months, uh, maybe more. Timo Pukkanen underwent shoulder surgery uh, earlier oh. in, July, in June, and he's expected to miss four to six months to recover. Uh, so he could miss the start. Of the, he probably will start miss the start of the season and maybe more. So with that, one of the younger guys expected to compete for a spot that leaves an opening for one of these veterans guys to take the spot. And Steve Ott, I, I really like the Steve Ott. I think signing, I think it's a very underrated signing. I mean, one year for 800000 He's a he, – he can pay, play the penalty kill. Uh, he's great on face-offs as well, and especially when you need a face-off win. And the Red Wings struggled in face-offs this year, I believe, especially in their own zone, defensive uh, face-offs. Steve Ock can come in and, and fill that spot and, and do a great job, I think, as and, and help these younger kids uh, with the experience. I mean, I believe Steve Ock and maybe Zetterberg. I, no, I mean, Steve Ott would probably have the most time on this team, I believe of all the Red Wings. So I like the Steve Ott signing. Everyone bashed Ken Holland on his signings here. I didn't think it was a bad job, but I didn't think it was a great job. I think it was uh, – I think it was an above-average job of what he did with what he had and what he could have done in free agency. But his next move is obviously to try and trace some of the young prospects that he does have for a reliable defense and to help – uh, this defensive unit, which struggled all year last year. Let me uh, let me jump in. I got I, Chris. Hold on, okay. I, I do got Alan Z on the line right now. Uh, Alan, thanks for coming in. We've been talking with your co-host Brian. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time today. Hey, no, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great show. No, it's, we appreciate it. We appreciate it, Alan. 
Uh, he's the co-host, like we said, on NHL on the Ice podcast. And he's also radio host at 1560 The Fan, Space Coast Sports down in Orlando. It's, uh, I really, I really, really like what uh, Stevie Y was able to do, uh, holding, holding to his guns there, and and getting Stamkos re-signed, and then following up with uh, the Heaven signing. And you know, we we have a clear idea of where they're heading in goal with uh, getting Vasilevsky signed five-year deal. So. Since you're down in Orlando, first of all, sir, we're thinking and, and praying for all you guys down in Orlando. After what you went through a couple weeks ago, uh, we're thinking about you, and we know you guys are going to come out on the under, other end of that stronger for what you all went through. But uh, let me jump right into what Tampa Bay has done, your reaction to that. Well, I appreciate the kind words uh, about Orlando. We are Orlando strong down here, so thank you for that. And uh, oh, if mom sure. gets well, I heard I heard that, so... Uh, prayers for mom. Oh, thank you. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because I kid my uh, I kid my, my uh, other host of the show there, Brian, all the time. Thank you. I thank him all the time for the fact that the Detroit Red Wings allowed Stevie Eiserman to get out of that organization because what he's done down here in Tampa has been nothing less than, than amazing. And you, you put what he did in a 36-hour period last week, that was two and a half years worth of question marks that he answered in 36 hours, really, when you stop and think about it. Steve Eiserman, you know, it came out after the Eiserman signed the contract that Eiserman went, or Eiserman went to Stamkos the week before free agency, laid the offer on the table. He said, this is it. This is what we can do. You know, it's not gonna, this is not a negotiation. This is what we can pay you. This is what we believe, um, you know, can get this done. You're welcome to take more. Obviously, you know, you're a free agent. And as it turns out, Steven Stamkos accepted that offer, never really considered anything else seriously. Uh, I think that's a credit to Eiserman and the way he runs this organization. And then I really think the big thing was the re-signing of Victor Hedman because people automatically thought that if Eiserman were to keep Stamkos in the fold, that they would really have a difficult time getting Hedman done. Well, he took care of that in less than 24 hours. And then everybody wondered what it was they were going to do with Ben Bishop. Well, they, they answered that question, too, by signing Vasilevsky uh, to a three-year deal because now Ben Bishop obviously becomes the odd man out here. And, and so he should be because Vasilevsky has proven himself uh, in the most critical times. He's participated in two straight uh, you know, Eastern Conference finals, of course, last year against the Blackhawks. He played in two games in the Stanley Cup Finals and stood strong on both occasions. And I think the uh, that Iserman and the Lightning are comfortable with him, and they should be comfortable with him. Yeah, it's not a day that uh, a Vesna Trophy finalist becomes a an asset to be moved, really. But I guess uh, to your point about Steve Iserman, that's what uh, well, that's what good management of your cap and all the assets that you do have uh, does for you. How much, how much is he going to get hamstrung though with the rest of the league knowing a expansion is around the corner B he's a UFA at the end of the following season. And is he going to be able to get market value for what you would, you know, you would think a Vesna trophy finalist that's backstopped his team into, you know, Stanley cup finals, Eastern conference finals. Um, is he going to be able to get fair value for that? No, I, I don't think he is. I honestly don't because I think, you know, you take a look at a couple of years ago and I think it becomes a situation similar to that. Uh, maybe not exactly the same situation a couple of years ago in the Islanders. I believe it was with Vanek uh, when the league just knew that they were going to have to get rid of him. And the, the rest of the league knows. So they don't have to offer this up. Uh, and, and the rest of the league will not. I think if Steve Eiserman can get out of this thing really with a really with just being able to, to get rid of this contract here, uh, because, you know, you've got Tyler Johnson and a lot of these young guys coming up here uh, next year and the year after. And I, and I think that's where Steve Eiserman has automatically shifted his focus. But I, I think for Eiserman, it's just a matter of being able to move Bishop and get the best deal possible. Is it going to be a great deal? No. But I think Eiserman knows that. The thing I mentioned the other night on the show that we did was that 
The thing that I've noticed about Steve Eiserman is he seems to play two and three moves ahead of a lot of other general managers in this league. So maybe he can go out and find a guy that he can, you know, kind of hoodwink, so to speak, into taking Bishop for something that, you know, the good general managers of this league wouldn't give up. Who knows? We've seen it before. Maybe we'll see it again from a guy like Eiserman. Now, I, saw I, had a quick they... comment. I have a quick co- comment, Mark, about Bishop and Eiserman. If Eisenman can't get a, a sufficient deal, he might feel his best move might be, okay, I have Bishop for one more year. If he can make it work out with the cap or maybe have to trade one of those RFA forwards, not Kucherov, but one of those other guys, and say, I'm going to go for the cup this year, my best bet to do that is to have Bishop with Vasilevsky. And then at the end of the year, if we win, we win the cup or we come up a little short, then I'll just let Bishop walk and do it that way. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he chose that path. It, it wouldn't surprise me either, to be quite honest with you, because, look, you know, Brian and I talk about this all the time. Six months ago, if you would have told me that, that uh, Steve Stamkos was going to be a Tampa Bay Lightning for six, eight more years, and Jonathan Druin was going to be on this team, I would have told you you were crazy. So you know what, Chris? That's a great point. And maybe to speaking to the point of the way that Eiserman runs this organization is maybe Ben Bishop realizes his best shot would be to stay here as well. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I could see that happening pretty easily, um, sort of in the way that Boston held on to Louis Erickson. Uh, they didn't get the deal they wanted for him at the trade deadline. They said, you know what, we're going to roll the dice. Maybe we'll make the playoffs. Maybe we won't, but we're not going to undersell this asset to a competitor. So uh, I, I was talking with Chris in the first segment of the show and didn't I didn't really like that from my point of view, but who am I? Uh, <laughs> the, that similar situation we could see play out in Tampa for sure. Another Another thing I just wanted to say about Tampa Bay, they have a guy on, in their front office in Dave Anderchuk who just got jobbed for the Hall of Fame again. I want to shout out Dave and the Tampa Bay Lightning organization for that. I don't know what part of uh, 640 goals and most power play goals scored all time doesn't get you mm. into the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's on that staff as well down in Tampa, and we're a fan of his on the show. So it's coming, Dave. Don't uh, we, we love you down here in Vegas, and it'll, it'll be soon. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. But let's, yeah, uh, it's, it's a joke he's not there. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I also see that you cover uh, – you're big on the Washington Capitals. So why don't you yeah. give me a, a quick breakdown on how you think they did there at the uh, at the UFA? Well, you know, look, uh, I think the Capitals, you know, did their, did their damage trading for Lars Eller. Uh, you right. know, he solidifies he solidifies a third line from them that uh, quite honestly didn't get the job done come Stanley Cup playoff time against the Pittsburgh Penguins specifically. You know the Capitals really felt like that they went into uh, that series against the Penguins as deep as Pittsburgh, and I think they quickly found out as early as Game Two that they weren't. I think Lars Eller's a guy that will solidify a third line for them. Um, you know, the Capitals, you, you, you weren't expecting much out of Washington. You know, they only had about $8 million, $9 million worth of salary cap space uh, heading into this thing. You know, they, they I, I like the direction they were headed already. Uh, uh, Joe Cannata, uh Darren Deese, Christian Thomas. And then they get Brett Connolly who signs a one-year. I like Brett Connolly. They get him at five hundred and eighty thousand dollars that's a decent deal for them he'll be a good fourth line player for them i don't know that he replaces jason chimera i think this team is going to miss chimera a little bit with that deceptive speed that he had but i like the acquisition of lars eller yeah i do too i do too uh, let me bring brian back in he's been sitting over there in the in the penalty box i guess for a minute or two um brian what other teams outside of detroit and tampa do you, did you like at the at the free agency there July 1st, and and maybe give me an idea of a team that you don't think did what they could. I think one of the underrated moves that no one really talked about is what the Sharks did in getting Mikel Boddicker on this team. I know the guy's only had 19 goals uh, as a career high, but, I mean, look where he's been playing. He's been playing in Phoenix. Uh, 
Sharks go out and get a guy who has the potential to score 20, 25 goals in a season to add it to a, a team that's already uh, good. Uh, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, they add another score to that piece um, and, and speed. And we saw what Pitts, what the Pittsburgh Penguins did with their speed against the Sharks. So they, what, they, what do they do? They bring a guy in that can put the puck in the net and has speed. So I like what the Sharks did with just their minor move that they did this year in getting Mikel Boddicker. I'm a fan of Boddicker being down here in Vegas. I see a lot of Coyote stuff on uh, on the Fox channels here. And, and I thought when they moved him to Colorado at the trade deadline last year, that that was unfortunate being only 26 years old, that he would be one of the pieces as the older guard and the Shane Dones of the world, Mike Smith, hopefully for them as well, move on that that he, he could grow into a piece, you know, second line, maybe first line there. And it's, it's funny to say a 26, 27, 28 year old could be a mentor, but bringing up the, the Domies and the Declares and the Samuelsons that they have in the pipeline, he could have been a good piece to build sort of a core around. And it was too bad that he let them know that he didn't want to stay there. I, I agree with you on, on Boddicker for sure. He's going to be a, good fit in San Jose where he won't have to, he won't be asked to do too much as he was on Arizona squad and coming over in the middle of the year, uh, maybe didn't really find a, find a slot there with Colorado, but I think if he gets a, a good second, second line role, maybe third line, even with San Jose, how deep their forward core is, the Boddicker will be a really nice piece there. Um, Chris, did you want to well, jump in here also, Yeah, sure. Just quick point on Boddicker. There was a report the reason Arizona traded him was because he turned down a five-year, $25 million deal because he was uncertain about the franchise in terms of what they say in Arizona, and it's kind of ironical, you know. And then now a few months later, he winds up signing a four-year, $16 million deal. So, you know, uh, that didn't work out financially uh, as well as he he thought. So, uh, uh, I I guess from what I read, this is from what I read about Bodicker is that he said he took less money to sign with the Sharks. Now, I, I believe be that fa- he, he could be saving face or he could be serious. Say, you know, I, I took less money to go do a Stanley cup contending team. Or like I said, he could be saving face, but you know what? A lot of these players these days, they want to play for a championship. And we see that all the time in basketball now. Players want to go play for championships, you know. And Boddicker sees what the Sharks did and have a, a young core and have a couple of veterans that are on their way out. Say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be part of this last gas for this team, you know. It, you know, it could it could could have went down that way. But, you know, who knows? We could never know, but. Right. Lucci said the same thing, that he left money on the table because he really believes in what's going on on Edmonton. So take that with a grain of salt as well. Um, let me get back to Alan, and and we'll we'll go we'll go across the state a little bit because one thing that was interesting to me was a couple of the moves that Florida made, the Panthers there, um, bringing in Optimus Rhyme and signing him for the term that they did down there. That pretty much signals to to my neck of the woods here in Las Vegas that they are going to let Luongo be exposed and. Th- th- is is Optimus Rhyme now after Toronto and the stint in San Jose? Do you think he's ready to be a number one goalie on a young, up and coming, fast, offensive first team? Is I kind of question well, that myself? Well, you know, let's hope so. Uh, if you're a Panthers fan, you know Roberto Luongo may not be ready to start the season. Uh, he's had that hip surgery. And, right. uh, so that's a big reason why they bring Reimer in. I think it's a smart move on their part. Uh, I guess it all the, – the good news is is that, uh, you know, you get Reimer in there for maybe the first month of the season, uh, which is what it looks like he may have to be forced to play uh, before Luongo is 100% healthy to come back. And you'll know by then. Uh, but I do like uh, – now, you know, we say that the Panthers – uh, the, you know, offensive-minded club. But I, I would caution that I, I like what the Panthers did uh, with their blue line, you know, uh, this so far uh, in free agency and, of course, in trades. You know, they get rid of Campbell, Kulikov, Grubitz, and, and Mitchell. 
uh, and bring in Yandel Demers. Uh, I, you know, the Demers situation, you know, some people, I, I thought it was a good value at $4.5 million for five years. I like Keith Yandel. And then you extend Aaron Eckblad. They've completely and utterly changed that blue line around. For sure. Uh, so yeah. we'll, see, we'll see how that's going to work out for Florida. Um, so, I, you know, I like the fact that Florida attacked that that, uh, that desperate blue line situation. I like the way they handled it. Whether or not Reimer's going to be the guy, I, you know, that's tough to tell, but he's certainly going to get his shot right out of the gate with Luongo recovering from that hip. And I also like the fact, I, I also like the fact that what, what they did with their forwards, signing Riley Smith to a long-term deal and Vincent Trocek yeah. to a long-term deal as well. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Is it maybe a ploy to maybe overprice Rhyme on term and and uh, cap hit and protect Luongo at the same time, scaring the no, Vegas franchise off from taking no, Rhyme? I, I, I don't think I, I think Luongo is. I think the writing's on the wall for him. Um, I wasn't impressed, and I've told this a thousand times. I just wasn't impressed with the way he played against the Islanders. Uh, in the playoffs, I don't think the Panthers were either. Uh, he had a game or two in there that uh, looked good, but I think the long haul of that series, I didn't think he played well at all. Um, you know, he the kinda, injury, the you know, injury, his injury there in the hip might have something to do with that, though. No. Yeah, that. But you got to ask yourself, a guy his age um, coming True. back from a hip injury, you know. Is that a chance you want to take? I I think uh, for good or for bad, this is this is it for him down here this year. It was look, it was a good situation for him to come into. It was an opportunity for him to uh, come down here, get his head right again, you know, to get back to his roots, so to speak, down here with the Panthers. Um, but I think you know, for ultimately for Luongo, you know, he could be a, a one of these guys that end up in a Vegas uh, as a backup goaltender. You know, for 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 a franchise like that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I don't think Luongo would have a problem with something like that. No, I said one one thing to take into account with that also is being the quote non traditional unquote hockey market here in Las Vegas. The average hockey fan recognizes the name Roberto Luongo. And Absolutely. that's that's a player who would be identifiable. And also, if you're if you're trying to get to a cap floor when you're, let's face it, third line, fourth line players, and you know, second, third pair defensemen are mostly what's going to be available. That's the kind of contract that you might want to take, bringing uh, to help get you to the floor when you're going to be icing a lot of, you know, mid range. Two, two to four million dollar players and and young players, being that they'll pick uh, no worse than six in the amateur draft next year as well. So you, it might be the writing on the wall that Luongo will be in Vegas uh, next season. Well, let me uh, me and Chris were kind of banding about the Islanders there, and I know you guys have had him on the show talking a little Islanders hockey on your side of things. Do you think they've done enough so far to replace what they've lost? <sighs> You know, I, I love Chris to death. I, I really do. Uh, Great but I guy. think when you look at the, yeah, I think when you look at the Islanders, look, the, the, here's the issue I have. You know, they give a seven-year contract to Andrew Ladd. I like Jason Chimera. Okay, he's 37 years old. Uh, and then you're bringing in Ladd and Chimera, and what you're losing is Ocposo, Martin, and Nielsen. Now I know that you can't keep them all. I know that, um, but. You know, look at the money doled out here, and I think maybe maybe they could have found a way to keep two of these guys, uh, in, in my opinion. But, you know, I don't know that the Islanders necessarily went in a positive direction, given a seven-year deal to Ladd and a two-year deal to Jameer and letting Octosa and Martin and Nielsen go. I kind of agree with that. I don't want to. I don't want to break Chris's heart or anything. Chris, uh, <laughs> I kind of. I kind of agree I, with it. I, they they still have a move to make. I think to make I think letting letting Nielsen, Nielsen and Ocposo and yeah, the best sports line move. in hockey there, Martin. I still, still got to get. I still think they have. I still think they have a move to make, and I would. I would say, in my personal opinion, watching Ocposo and Nielsen that. 
Ladd probably will wind up being a better is the better player of those three, and Chimera will be a huge upgrade over Martin in the bottom six. So as long as they have a move to make, which I think they do, uh, in terms of a trade for another top six forward, it maybe it'll be someone in Colorado, maybe it'll be a Kalorn, maybe it'll be Nebley or Nugent Hopkins, but I do think they'll have a move to make. I got a quick question for Brian and I, then a quick question well, for wait, Alan. Real quick, well, real quick, I wanted to touch on the Islanders. I, I, I think that they have two big holes they, I, I feel they have to address, and one is center. Uh, after Tavares, you have Casey Tzizikas, uh, Grabowski, you know, he's injured. He was injured at the end of last year. He's older. Um, I, I think they need to upgrade their second-line center and, and their goaltending. Uh, and we discussed this on our show about the Islanders' goaltending. Uh, is, is Thomas Grice the guy to lead the team uh, into next year? Because we know Yaroslav Halak is getting up here again, another aging player. Uh, so I, I think they have to do some of their goaltending situation and what they want to do there. Uh, we talked about one of these guys are going to have to go on waivers. And I think their center position needs an upgrade. I love the ringers. I, I love the fact that they brought brought back in P.A. Peranto as well uh, into the mix. Uh, but their second-line center worries me after Tavares. Well, it's going to be the two centers after that will be Brock Nelson and Ryan Strom as of now, unless they make a, make a, make a trade. And I will tell you this, I mean, Grice definitely – might wind up being one of those late bloomer goalies because he was tremendous, not only in the regular season, I think he had the third highest save percentage in the regular season, but he was tremendous in the playoffs. But a uh, name to watch, and he was just on Long Island this past week, and uh, you'll everyone's going to know his name uh, in the near future. It won't be next year, but the year after. Uh, his name is Illy Sorkin, and he is uh, he had uh, nearly a 96 yep. save percentage in the KHL last year. He uh, came to the Islanders' uh, prospect scrimmage all the last week. The Islanders were thrilled that he came. They didn't expect it. And uh, he couldn't believe that 2,000 people came out to watch a bunch of kids scrimmage, and he thought that was incredible. And he's a third-round pick from a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I remember. You'll see this. Yeah, you'll see a couple uh, big goalie. You'll see a couple athletic. You'll see this time next year. When you see the top prospect list, he'll be uh, way up there. So that is their guy of the future. I have no clue because I've been totally confused of seeing so many different expansion rules on whether or not they have to protect him or they don't have to protect him because he's been in the KHL. But if they do have to protect him, they will. Uh, I have a quick question. I don't for think they have Brian. to. Okay. Uh, I have a quick question for Brian and then Alan. Uh, Brian, Colorado hasn't made a lot of moves yet. But it sounds like they really want to change the mix. Do you do you think they're going to be bold enough, and we're going to see a Tyson Barry move to maybe either a Duchesne and a Landeskog? Well, I this team. Uh, let's go back a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs, and when Patrick Wall had a phenomenal season. It was a fluke season. I said it all year on our show that year that Wall was a fluke season, and I was pissed because he won. Um, Coach of the year, when I thought it, it definitely should have been Mike Babcock, when Mac, Mike Babcock had a ton of injuries on the team, still got the team to the playoffs, uh, with the upset first round of the Ducks and second round of the, almost beat the Blackhawks in the second round. So from there, I said, all right, well, this team will not do as good the next year. And you know what? They fell on their face. Uh, there, there's something missing with this team. Um, they let Paul Stastny go last year, which I thought was a huge mistake. Uh, this team does not – it seems like they don't have a sense of direction. I, I mean, you have Patrick Watt at the helm. You have Joe Sackick as your GM. Uh, but it just it, – it doesn't seem like there's any direction with this team. You're, you're fighting over your top defenseman, Tyson Berry. You're going to go to arbitration with him. I do like bringing in Rocco Garaldi from Florida. I thought that was a good deal uh, getting him. But, I, I mean, the rest of this team – Desheen, Lanislaw, uh, and McKinnon, and then after that you have an aging Aginla, um, a Carl Soderberg, and, and there's no depth there at all. The, the defense has been horrible for years. Uh, Eric Johnson is the first-round pick that he, you know, everyone thought he was. Francis Boschemine, he got that guy's like 40 as well. I, I, I just I don't see any direction with this team, and they have to do something because. 
uh, if another year of Petrigal not making them playoffs, it's going to be hard to validate to keep him, you know, as a head coach on this team. And, and even Alan, Joe Sackick I- should be in question uh, about his job as well. I agree. I agree. Uh, Alan Edmonton, they bring in Lucic. They make that controversial trade with Taylor Hall and getting Adam Larson to help their blue line. Is Peter Shirelli, you think, done, or does he have more big moves up his sleeve this summer? No, I think Peter Shirelli's far from done. I don't know about big moves. But if you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago if I thought it was going to be Taylor Hall that got dealt, uh, my answer would be no. Um, there were certainly uh, some other players on that team that that, that I felt like uh, the Oilers would deal first. I think what changed for Edmonton was uh, landing Jesse Pujarvi, having him fall onto their lap, uh, I think changed a couple of things for this team unexpectedly. Um, but, uh, no, I don't think Peter Torelli's done. I think his history says, uh, you go back to his days with the Bruins, that he's not done. And uh, I would look for a couple more of these, what people may call uh, these first-round busts, uh, so to speak. And, I, of course, I, I don't mean that, but that's what people call them over the last couple of years. I'd look for maybe one more of those guys to be moved. Yeah, maybe a solid backup goalie, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't make a big push for Al Montoya. I, I can't believe they wound up going into the Canadians for less than a million dollars for on a one-year deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Canadians, boy, well, they're they're something else, aren't they? But uh, no, I, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Torelli does. It really is because I, I, you know, you have to ask yourself, who is going to be his dance partner? You know what I mean? You look out there and uh, who who's going to dance with Peter Torelli right now? Well, I who, think there's, who, I, I, I think there's a lot of. Potential dance partners for him. That might be part of the problem. It's trying to sort through all that because he has, you know, young, talented forwards who are signed for the next few years to trade, and there's a lot of teams looking for guys like that. Yeah, but is, but is he going to do what he did with Taylor Hall? I mean, there were some teams that were pretty upset at the fact that, hey, we didn't know this guy was available. We'd have given you a lot more for Taylor Hall. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how how, how he deals these cards going forward. And I and I so heard bizarre. that and I, yeah, and I heard that the Islanders were incredulous that that was the deal they made because they they felt they had ten times better deal on yeah. offer than Adam Moss. Now Moss might have been better. They, at the end of the day, I think the Oilers kind of admitted that the Islanders did have a strong offer on the table, whatever it was. It wasn't Travis Hamannick. But uh, they liked Larson the best in terms of the defenseman they were going to get around the leagues, according to them. So uh, I, I don't know, but I like Adam Larson. He's gotten a little bit better every year. But uh, that was that was a, a huge head scratcher. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, who is, who, who is he, you know, who, who is he looking at? Where is he going? You know, obviously he's got uh, he's got some guys in mind as well that he'd like to have on this roster. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Like you said, the goaltending situation uh, is going to be one to keep an eye on too. And I, you know, look, this blue line this this blue line needs uh, still needs help. It still needs depth. And uh, so uh, it's you know that that's where I think he that's what I think he's aiming for. Hundred percent. Well, guys, we got to run. We're running out of time here. I want to thank you both for coming on. Phenomenal job. You guys make sure you follow the NHL on the Ice podcast on Twitter at NHL on underscore the underscore Ice and uh, Alan's personal Twitter account at ZLOTS. Oh, ZLOT Sports. ZLOT Sports. And real quick for the record, Alan, go ahead and and pronounce your last name for us, so next time we'll know what we're doing. Slaughterzinski, Alan Slaughterzinski. Slaughterzinski. I was right there. I was right there, Chris, let me tell you. <laughs> I was right there. Brian, Brian and Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys did a great job. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, thank Thanks you, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, Chris.
Chris, let me let me put a little quick break on here, and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk some Las Vegas news and round out the show. Sounds good. Hello, hockey fans. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk-radio-format streaming station. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Chris, great job rounding up Brian and Alan there. Great job. Oh, yeah, they're great. Absolutely. Everyone should give them a follow. Alan is, like you said, at Seagull Sports. Brian, uh, as well as the show, is at NHL on underscore the underscore ice. Yep, and if you're in the the Orlando area, make sure you catch Alan's show on 1560 The Fan. Down in Orlando. Yeah, he had Dana Lane on uh, about a month ago. Yeah, Dana Lane, good friend of the show, good friend yeah. of the show. Yeah, 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 Dana Lane on uh, when uh, about Vegas so and uh, the NHL. So uh, when is uh, Mr. Foley going to hire a general manager? I would think that needs to happen soon. Uh, from from what I read, um, and our guys over at the Sinbin Vegas, Dana Lane's the co-host of that show. Um, Apparently, and I know he has a, a big ranch up in Montana, so he's probably up there escaping the heat. And do know that the interview process has begun. Um, when when they announced the team, he said he had resumes from from nine guys, and also seven of those guys were currently employed general managers. So uh, it doesn't really? look like he has it. it yes, they, uh, he said he has resumes on his desk from seven currently employed general managers and a couple assistants and a couple guys that aren't general managers any longer but have been the head guy in the league. So he has no shortage of candidates who are uh, beating on his door to help build this franchise from the ground up, which can't be anything but a good thing. Um, maybe you could – maybe uh, – you get somebody with experience and then bring in a Scott Mellonby, uh, guys like that who are assistants to help round things out. I'm interested to see the scouting staff uh, that they assemble there. And I guess he's leaving that to his GM, which kind of makes sense. you got to get your president of hockey ops. you got to get your general manager. But I'm really interested in who they bring in to uh, head up the director of scouting position, but maybe even more so than the general manager position, because I think that guy is going to be really the make-or-break guy. He, you know, he, the, Obviously, the general manager will have the last word, but when uh, you're going to be putting your scouting staff and together – you're going to decide on the, the the players that are going to make up the franchise. So those those two positions are are really interesting to me. I did get I did get some updates on the the free agency, not free agency. I'm still stuck on free agency season ticket um, plans that they have. Um, after they announced the show, they had another run. There are over fifteen thousand one hundred season tickets sold. Um, what they're going to do is early August, they're putting together uh, a time period between other events at the T-Mobile where they can uh, put the boards up, put the ice down, and bring in the people that have deposits down for the season tickets to tour the arena, see what it's going to look like, and, and uh, they'll escort us in, take us to where, you know, the area of the rink that we have reserved our seats in, let us sit in seats, move around, um get a feel for the arena, kind of maybe pick out a row and a seat uh, where we want to sit. And then in the fall, they said September-ish, uh, when things start to cool down, uh, they'll they'll open it up online and we'll go online. Put our They're going to need 20% down and the balance interest-free over the next nine months before opening night next season. So pretty fan friendly, pretty fan friendly deal there. And then, then once we get our deposit in, we'll go online and we'll we'll pick our seats. So that's the latest news from Vegas is hockey. Um, 
Can't wait. That first week of August is my birthday, so be a pretty nice birthday oh, wow. present to run run down to the T with the wife and kid and uh, pick out my season seats there. That's going to be pretty exciting. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm good sure with that. <laughs> I'm good with that as my uh, little birthday present to myself this year. I got something for all of fans of the Vegas team now to keep an eye out for this summer leading into opening night, and that is, you know, Jamie Benn, Brad Marchant, and Brent Burns are all on their last year of their deals, and if they don't not sign extensions, will become uh, free agents July 1st. And Jamie Benn turns 28 next July 1st, will be 28 next July 1st, Brad March on 29. Burn Burns a little bit older, believe it or not, it'll be 32. But if any one of those guys uh, gets to free agency, I, I, I'm sure that the Vegas franchise will be putting a full court press. So keep an eye on those three and what the contract negotiations are. The Sharks have already come out, and the Stars have already come out, as well as the Bruins. Just re-sign those players, but you know those players and their their representatives could be saying, like, hey, you need to step because we have a great new franchise coming into the league that is going to have hardly any cap dollars at that point in time after the expansion and amateur draft. So that's just something to kind of keep an eye out for. I, I find it hard to believe that. I mean, you're wetting my appetite here, buddy, but uh, I find it hard to believe that, that any one of those three guys are going to actually get to free agency. I'm going to make a prediction, uh, a bold prediction. And my bold prediction is uh, uh, T.J. Oshie will sign with the Vegas franchise next July 1st. And I got a funny feeling that Ben Bishop is going to wind up staying in Tampa because there's a lot of hurdles in terms of trading him uh, with, with the salary cap, with the talent coming back, with the fact he only has one year left on his deal. And Tampa's going to feel that their best chance of winning a cup is with him and without him. Uh, and I got a funny feeling Ben, ben Bishop's going to wind up uh, in Las Vegas. I hate that. I wouldn't hate either one of those. Well, uh, we did get a, a email today from the hockeywriters.com, which Chris is the Islanders contributor for. Um, last time I looked, I think he has more hockey articles posted on the Hockey Writers than any other guy on the site. I may be wrong in that, but I think you were at least right up there on the top. For sure, you were at Get Real uh, Hockey before they went down. They're, they're, yeah, they. You no, know, there's a lot of guys spread a lot, so uh, yeah, it's a great community. Well, they are launching their podcast page, and we have asked, we've been asked to become a part of the podcast page at thehockeywriters.com. So, Chris, that's probably a lot to do with your influence. Thank you, sir, and congratulations. That'll be a nice relationship for us to have going forward. Absolutely. So any final thoughts? we got about two minutes left. What do you think going into next year? Uh, you know, the next month is going to be – the next couple weeks will be interesting to me because there are a lot of teams in play in terms of a potential trade. So, you know, now free agency, I mean, there's a few guys left, like Yuri Herbler and guys like that, but it is kind of now the remnants of the free agency. The draft is over. So, you know, now it's a bit of a poker game and who's gonna who's gonna be willing to roll up their sleeves, who's gonna blink. And like I said, I, I can I, I think there's gonna be a number of impactful trades this month. I agree. I think teams still have a lot of excuse me, a lot of finagling to do to get ready for uh who they wanna protect and who they don't want and trying to get assets back for the for the guys that aren't going to be able to be protected by their current team. So I think I think we've as far as the trade market goes, I think there's still a lot of business to be done. <clears throat> so we're going to take a couple weeks off. Um, but when we get to August, or if we get any news out of the Vegas the Vegas front here, um, we'll definitely pipe in with a new show. But we're going to take a couple weeks off. Um, I got a lot of classes here in the summer session. It's taking up a lot of time. And um, uh, they were just talking about my Meyer. Sorry about that. Um, so we're going to take a couple weeks off, but come August, we're going to we're going to come back hard and heavy with starting with uh, Eastern Conference. We're going to break down all the divisions. Hopefully by then the rosters will be a little bit more set, and we're going to jump right into next season, getting our preview shows out and together. So 
We'll be out for a couple weeks unless something big happens that we need to talk on. We're going to, as they say, head to the cottage. And Chris will be in touch, of course. So thank you for a great year, sir. I feel like this is maybe Definitely. the first show first show of next season. Um, yep. But we're uh, 15 seconds out. So until we until – Thoughts and prayers we, to your mom. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And with that, we're gone. And thank you once again for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Until next time, we'll see you later.